0: Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRannell.com slash athlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, I'm joined by Mike Scuduto. Mike's a physical therapist with us at Champion PT and Performance, where he runs our golf performance programs. He's also the vice chair of the Golf SIG of the American Academy of Sports Physical Therapy, and he himself is a scratch golfer. I can brag for him. He got down to an official 0.0 last year. In this episode, we're obviously going to talk a lot about specializing and working with golfers, things that you can do to build your own practice and business around this area. But also what I thought was neat about having Mike on this week is that he's also recently developed a new physical product that he's been working on to help patients sleep better after shoulder surgery. And I really wanted to hear about the process, about developing a product, bringing it to market. I thought it was a really interesting thing to share. Welcome to the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Reinold from MikeReinold.com. Hey, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. How's everything going? Everything's going
1: great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, this is probably a long overdue uh, episode, right? We, um, you and I work together, uh, every day, you know, face to face. So we see each other. We talk a lot about injuries. Um, we, we spend a good amount of time ourselves thinking and dreaming about golf. So, um, you know, having you come on and do a podcast about this specialty area that you, you put so much of your energy towards, I think is a bit overdue. So thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate you having me. Obviously, we've worked together for upwards of six years now, and it's it's really an honor to be invited onto this podcast. I'm a big fan of the podcast.
0: Yeah. I can't believe it when you say that, too. I still think, you know, everything in COVID is like a different time frame.
1: (laughs) We're coming up on six years.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Believe Believe it or or not. Yeah. But it's it's been awesome to watch you uh, grow and develop. For those that don't know Mike from our other podcast, the Ask Mike Reinald podcast, where we go through questions. Mike's been one of our staff therapists here at Champion for 6 years right i mean that's and that's a long time working hand in hand with with all the therapists here we have at champion so it's been really awesome to see you grow not only you know yourself as an individual like in within this profession but how you were able to grow a niche in an area that you wanted to focus on professionally and how you really successfully did that right um like h- how much your your patient population right now do you think revolves around golfers
1: yeah, it, it certainly fluctuates over the course of the year, um, but I would say at, at the peak, it's probably 50% golf and 50% baseball, um, pretty even split. And then as we go through the golf season, you know, there's there's kind of more and more golfers that will come in. Um, and then, you know, as we get into the summer, I think a lot of golfers are, are trying to go out and play on the course. So maybe we see a little bit fewer, but um, it definitely fluctuates over the course of the year.
0: Yeah. You, you'll see fewer initially until they all start getting hurt or they start playing poorly and then they're back. Right.
1: <laughs> right. And they got a big tournament coming up in two days. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Well,
0: well, in, in addition to that, you know, Mike is the, um, the co-chair or the, the second chair. I don't know what we call your chair of, of the golf SIG of the American Academy of Sports Physical Therapy. So you know again this is one of those areas that Mike's dug deep on and really started to focus a little bit more now not just clinically but okay now how do, how do we start staying on top of the research how do we start collaborating together as a profession to help each other grow as as golf specialists right so um i guess before we get too much into golf injuries and stuff um any updates on on the golf sig and what you guys have been up to
1: yeah um i mean you know the mission of the golf sig is to is to help um people that are looking for a resource within physical therapy, be able to find and connect with other professionals that are like-minded, um, that have some experience in the field. Um so we're putting out content on the mobilized platform. Um we have some plans on how to progress our content over the next year. Um really excited. Lindsay Becker is working hard on that. Um we're we sent a few proposals in for CSM next year. Um so we're hoping to get some good presentations and some really good content at CSM, but uh definitely encourage anyone that's interested in golf and a physical therapist or uh, you know, part of anyone that's part of the APTA to check out the, the golf sig.
0: Yeah. And it, it seems like a great resource too, because if you want to get into golf specifics, right, it's it's a group of people you can come you can come ask questions towards. And I just feel like it's it's a good it's a good community to be able to grow and develop some of these skill sets and and you know, hey, how'd you do this? How do you how how do you reach out to your local community and get, you know, some more people in your clinic. So, um, yeah, so thanks again for doing that. Kudos to you for doing that and, um, you know, appreciate that. But, um, but let's, let's dig in. Cause I think we want to get into some cooler topics. I apologize. I shouldn't have started with that. I was just excited. I wanted to hear how the SIG was going, but, um, <laughs> for, for a more exciting topic, let's start with the top. And I think this is, you know, the, the easy one to start with, with, with the sports specific podcasts. But tell us a little bit about golf injuries. What are some of the most common injuries that you see? And, and, you know, how does somebody that just wants to get started into this world of golf injuries and working with golfers, what do they need to be ready for in terms of big injury patterns that you see?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would start out by saying that uh, golf uh, as a whole um, is is kind of viewed as we're getting better at uh, the way that we look at golf, but kind of viewed as a leisurely activity. But really, is it is very stressful on the body, right? So the amount of force that we're putting through um, certain areas of our body is extremely high. So the golf swing is stressful on the body. So I think if there is a history of previous injury, um, it is very possible that that could flare up a previous injury. And I think that's a lot of what we see. Um, so the number one golf-related injury would be low back pain. Um, you know, if someone has a history of low back pain, which would be fairly common. If they go out and hit a bunch of golf balls or at the beginning of the season, they're ramping up their golf program, um, that could certainly flare up their symptoms. Um, Then from there, you know, shoulder pain is another very common injury in the golf world. Um, We tend to see a lot of hypermobile athletes um, potentially, you know, dealing with some instability at certain ranges in the golf swing. Um, But I think the overall picture is that within the golf swing, we're moving our joints to end range of motion at a very high speed and velocity. That creates a certain amount of stress or strain at the joint. Um, and on other tissues, there's certain tissues that are going to be overloaded uh, and certain tissues that are going to be underloaded because of the asymmetrical nature of the swing. Um, so over time, these injuries tend to creep up and they and they tend to get potentially progressively worse over the course of the golf season unless we address the underlying issue.
0: Right. And I kind of like how you, you brought that up because y- you could argue there's a lot of underlying issues in golfers, right? <laughs> I mean... Wait. You and I both, you know, we, we've got the bug ourselves a little bit where, you know, we, we spend a lot of time practicing and, and thinking about that. Um, of all the sports, and maybe this is, this is a misconception I have in my head, but of all the sports, it seems like you can have so many different ways to try to hit that ball. So many different mechanical, you know, I, I hate to call them faults because I don't want to necessarily call them faults, but so many different ways that somebody can use their body to hit the ball. It, it seems like that's one of the first things we talk about as sports physical therapists all the time is is optimizing movement, right? So for 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 you know energy transfer, for minimizing injuries, to reduce stress. Um, I, to me, it seems like golf. There's so many bad golf swings. I guess I'll just say it. There's so many bad swings, including our own, right? That that we do all the time. You know, how much do you think that these injuries have to do with a variety of factors versus it is it poor mechanics is it too much workload are they practicing too much do they, do they not golf for a week and then get a giant extra jumbo bucket at the driving range and just pound balls like like tell me a little bit more I mean uh, about why you sincerely think that we're seeing all these injuries
1: Well, I think you, you covered a lot of ground there. I think there's <laughs> a lot to uh, a lot to go into. Um, I would say from a technical side, right? The golf swing is, is obviously a highly technical skill. Um, so the technique can shift stress around in the body, right? The, the goal that we're trying to accomplish is obviously hit the ball on the center of the club face with the maximum amount of speed, um, for a full swing, um, to have a consistent ball flight and have the ball do what we want it to do. Now, everyone kind of goes about that in a different way. So everyone's swing looks a little bit different. Um, but there's certain key characteristics in the golf swing. Early extension, sway, and slide are, are I think, the three biggest ones that we see um, that have been shown to put significantly more stress on the lumbar spine. Um So a typical driver golf swing at maximum max effort is about eight times body weight on the lumbar spine, um compressive force, so wow. pushing down on the spine. So that's already a lot of stress on the spine. If we add in Something like an early extension, which is the hips moving towards the ball. Um, that can Im- increase the shear force on the spine as well as that compressive force. We know that can irritate the neural structures, the disc, the set joints. Um, it can also be a muscular component to that. So I think that the technical side of things, because it's an asymmetrical sport that is repeated, you know, so many times. Um, if we have a cumulative amount of stress and we're adding in these, these technical faults, Certainly think that could be a recipe for someone having a pain problem or having some kind of injury
0: right and and we always say that too. It's not that necessarily there's one great way to swing or to throw a ball or to kick or to do you know any sort of sport activity. There isn't one way, but there are different ways you can apply stress through it, right, and there's somewhere that stress is efficient right with producing the task like you said, consistently hit that ball right. Um, and sometimes the, 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 the suboptimal movements that we see take away from that and put just stress on the joint. So, uh, you know, that's, I, to me, I think that's fascinating, like, like how much stress we have in the low back. And, and I can say that m- a lot of people don't move their bodies probably well enough to take that stress off. Right. Do you, do you see issues like, like, you know, maybe this is leading into your next question here a little bit, but like, like, like. Somebody comes in with low back pain. How much time are you spending on looking at their low back versus looking at the rest of the body to see what may be putting that extra stress on the back?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think from a, from a physical therapy standpoint, um, our, our philosophy is we want to try and find, you know, the best that we can, what's, what's generating pain for this person? Or if there's a structure that we can identify or a test, a certain amount of lumbar spine test that we can do to kind of narrow down. Um, pain or in the lumbar spine specifically, if we're looking for a directional preference or something like that. So we do look at the lumbar spine to try and be as specific as possible for that person, because I do think it guides their, their treatment, uh, plan from a physical therapy standpoint. Um, but then from a a movement optimization standpoint, right? We're looking at the rest of the body. So the lumbar spine obviously sits between the thoracic spine and the hips, right? Those are two key areas that need to be able to rotate. Um, in the golf swing. We have a pretty good idea of how much rotation we're looking for, um, for out of those two uh, kind of areas. And we tend to see a lot of people that are stiff, particularly in the th- uh, thoracic spine and in hip internal rotation. When someone falls into that pattern, a, a lot of our treatment plan is designed around increasing mobility um, in order to try and take some stress away from the lumbar spine. Now we do see people that are on the other end of the spectrum, people that are hypermobile. They have a ton of rotation through their thoracic spine, a ton of rotation through their hips. Um, that may also, you know, cause a different type of stress on the spine, uh, the lumbar spine. And our treatment plan for that person is, is pretty significantly different, uh, different. We're focusing on strength and stability and motor control. Um, so we try and look at, you know, what's causing the pain problem, try to narrow, narrow that down as much as we can. And then we're trying to categorize people roughly into two or three different groups. The people that are a little more stiff, they, they work on flexibility, mobility. People that are on, on the more hypermobile end of the spectrum, they get you know stability, strength, motor control uh, based program.
0: We'll be back after a quick break. I hope you're enjoying the podcast episode. If you want to learn more from me, please check out my website, MikeReinold.com. In addition to all my great articles, videos, and podcast episodes, I have a ton of online CEU courses, as well as my Inner Circle online mentorship and community. Be sure to subscribe to my free newsletter, where I'm always sending you great info and exclusive perks and discounts. Just head to MikeRenald.com to get started. Thanks so much. That's awesome. And I like the way you try to take a large global approach to that, right, versus trying to make everything so complicated, right? I, I think this is one thing we do as a professional a little bit here too. Sure, you have back pain. So as a physical therapist, somebody working with this person, you need to know how to treat low back pain, right? You need to understand how to get that low back pain settled down, do some baseline things to, to kind of work through the rehabilitation of that low back pain. But, if you don't understand how the rest of the body interacts with the sport activity that you're dealing with, so the golf swing, so the hip, the thoracic spine, just as examples here, if you don't understand that, I think that's where sometimes we probably don't do as best as we can for the person in front of us, right? So you know we talk about this a lot when we when we talk about PTs that want to specialize in a sport is that you have to understand how to work with joints and and body parts and And common injuries, but you also have to understand how the rest of the body interacts with that because you can have some things that you'll never get over the hump with if you don't address things like you said, maybe the hip, maybe, maybe the mid back, right? And, and I just think that's such a great way of thinking about it. Um, you know, how many times do you think you see somebody that comes in and, you know, tightness versus hypermobility? you know what what's the percentage of the equation of people that you see because again we're talking about a, like a recreational sport for adults versus versus a lot of kids right and do you do you see that changing as the teenage athlete to the collegiate athlete to the pro to even the adult recreational how do these people present differently in your hands
1: yeah i think it definitely changes throughout the throughout the course of uh the lifespan right so the younger Junior golfers through high school and college, they tend to be more hypermobile. Um, I think people do get a little bit stiffer as we age. Now, some of that is genetic and hereditary where, you know, if you're, um, super loose jointed person as you get older, you may be able to maintain some of your flexibility. Um, but I think typically the younger clients that come in and they have so much rotational mobility, they, Hard, very strong. They have difficulty with motor control. They don't know where their body is in space. Um, when we look at their golf swing, it tends to be very long and there tends to be, um, areas we can see they're just leaking some power because they, they can't control, um, the ability basically to stop their body from rotating in the backswing. They get very long and there's a power leak there versus maybe we'll talk about the older kind of more hypo mobile or stiffer person. Um, they tend to struggle. In creating with their turn in the backswing, and that has a lot of implications for how they how they come down into the downswing. So if you can't create a full shoulder turn in your backswing, uh, we tend to see an over the top move with the arms because the arms will kind of initiate that downswing, and because we're trying to create speed, but we can't really rotate our body very well. So we see that over the top move tends to be coupled with some kind of early extension at the hips, um, but. Again, our our philosophy is that your golf swing is a reflection of how your body moves. So if you have a stiff body with not a lot of mobility, your golf swing is probably going to reflect that. Um, and you're going to have to compensate for any movement abnormalities or any movement faults that you have. Um, so we tend to see all these different funky things happen in the golf swing. But if you do take a step back and, and think of the body first, a lot of those faults tend to make sense uh, when you look at it through that lens.
0: Right. For sure. And, and it, it, even not just injury risk, but people that are struggling to make a mechanical change, for example, they wonder why they struggle sometimes, right? They, 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 they're trying to do something over and over again, but their body isn't in position to actually allow that to happen efficiently. Um, no wonder why this is a, um, uh, a very frustrating sport. I'll leave it at that.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'll, I'll tell the, go- I'll tell the golfer first session, say it's not, it's not my, I don't view it as my job to fix your swing. For me I want to be able to allow your uh, teach you how to move your body in a way that you can get into a certain position and then your golf coach takes you the rest of the way and they, they teach you how to incorporate that into your swing. So we're always a few degrees separated from the actual golf swing itself, but we're trying to allow the body to move to create context for the feeling that they will have in the golf swing. I I think that's great too and I think that's another area that mm.
0: sometimes young PTs get stuck a little bit, I think, trying to be uh, a little bit of everything and trying to give swing tips and swing advice, right? And, um, you you know, I'm not necessarily against that, right? So, like, uh, maybe in and of itself that isn't terrible, but I think there's always a better approach if you work with somebody that specializes in these things, right? So collaborating with your local PGA professional, some, some coaches in your area, it just makes a more, uh, rewarding environment, I would say, for probably both you and the PGA coach, like the, the golf coach, as well as the, the person, right? And, that, and I think that's, that's something that young professionals miss sometimes. Um, let's shift gears for a second and talk about that, Mike. So I know you have some strong relationships with some, um, um, swing coaches in the community. If, if you are a new physical therapist, you're starting to get in this. What are some of the tips that they can do to establish some of these? these relationships and 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 really help them blossom right because it's one thing to go say hi bring a coffee and say hey i'm i'm down the street send me your patients but how do you really get that relationship to bloom
1: yeah i guess i can i can kind of tell the origin story of some of the relationships i've made with with the pga coaches and and mike i give you a lot of credit because it was kind of your idea in a way um (laughs) but so you know obviously a lot of a lot of the golf physical therapists. People that are really passionate about golf tend to play golf, right? So if you're into golf yourself, I think one of the best ways to make connections in the space is to either go out and get a lesson from a teaching professional or to try and play golf with, with these people as well. I think that's a great way to build connection. So when I was first starting out, new grad physical therapist working at Champion, um, this awesome, we heard about this awesome golf teaching facility opening up, you know, a couple miles down the road. And I think I was, in the fir- the paint wasn't even dry on the walls and the simulators weren't all the way installed. Um, and I was getting a lesson from, you know, this swing coach and didn't tell him I was a physical therapist, didn't tell him, you know, we were building this, this golf physical therapy, um, program down at champion, but I just took lessons from him. Cause I was one, I wanted to get better at the game myself. And two, I wanted to kind of learn his teaching philosophy. Um, and it ended up blossoming into a pretty good relationship between the two of us and and I would say I credit a lot of the success um, or, you know, a lot of clients still to this day come from, you know, this individual who has been hugely helpful in, in my career and my knowledge base. So I think the collaboration with a swing coach is vital. Um, if you're looking to make that connection, you don't have to come out and say, hey, like, I'm a physical therapist. I want to work with your uh, with your clients, you know, become a client of that person and take lessons and build a build a different type of relationship and let that blossom over time into one that's very trustful. You know, you're not trying to necessarily undercut that, that person in any way, um, but you've built a certain amount of trust where they feel good about sending their clients to you, knowing that they're going to be treated the right way, but also that that line of communication between the two of you is going to be open.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, and and I really like how you ended it with that, too, where it's not just sending you people, but it's also having that open communication, and I, I think that's something that at Champion, you know, we got from the pro sports model, right? It's a collaborative approach in pro sports and collegiate sports, right, where coaches, skill coaches, uh, strength coaches, therapists, every everything, athletic trainers, everything under the sun all come together and collaborate, and at Champion, we try to do that with with everything, the I think one approach that we've never done at Champion and that we never will is we don't go around to every golf facility and just drop off business cards, right? That's I mean you're just that's random, right? What we do is we create relationships with people that we want to, right? So if your swing lessons with that coach Mike um, went poorly, do you think you would have even wanted? You, I mean maybe you would business wise, but right, like you <laughs> like it, it, it wouldn't have grown, right? It's you guys, you got together and you jive, right? There is a connection, there's a like-mindedness, and even personality-wise, that led to the relationship growing. And I think if you go into it with that, and then also, we're also not selfish about it. We send as many people there that, that they send to us, right? So, um, you know, it, it's about taking that different approach, right? About actually trying to develop a relationship versus just a business arrangement, right?
1: Right. Yeah, I would say for for physical therapists looking to get into the golf world, uh, obviously PGA teaching professionals are a huge way to get into the industry, and they're really good at what they do. Um, I think the 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 challenge, and I think as a profession, we're getting better at this, and I think golf as a whole is is really getting better at understanding, um, you know, the golf performance, physical therapy, uh, and physical aspect of the game. But making sure you communicate what you have to offer to that coach's clients and communicate it in a way where they understand what you're trying to do um, and how it complements what they're trying to do. I think that's, that's really the key to starting that relationship.
0: Yeah. And, and have it start with you, right? Like I like how you went there and you became a client yourself because it's so much easier to, to understand and to connect with somebody when, when you do that. And, what you did was you said, you said, I trust you, right? And I believe in the concept of coaching, like, and paying somebody to help me to get better at something. So it's a great way to, um, to, to start that relationship. So, um, so if you're trying to do the same thing, you know, take some tips from that. I think that would be, you know, very helpful. It's, it's not about throwing business cards around and buying lunch and, you know, showing up with, with coffee and, and trying to persuade people to send them it to you. It's about building relationships and then collaborating. Remember the last thing Mike said was it's you open up communication you know we text back and forth like hey i think you're seeing this guy tomorrow here's the three things i've been working on like what can you do with his swing to help take some pressure off his back what a great approach right like that, that that's that's how you 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 know you build successful businesses i think um and then mike you, you, you let's switch gears now here and let's talk to the other end of the spectrum which is probably the larger end is every golfer wants to get better Right, so you know, I wish, just like most humans, I wish would come to physical therapy sooner to try to minimize their injuries in the future. I wish golfers came and had a little bit more of an emphasis on being proactive with their body to not only reduce injuries but to get a little bit better. Um, how does your how does your approach change? When you don't have an acute injury, but you're looking to actually enhance somebody's ability to golf better, their performance. What do you do differently?
1: Yeah. I think, uh, the, a- in the absence of an acute injury, it kind of opens up, uh, more assessment tools for me. So our assessment is we, we do a TPI based assessment. We've added in some different type of movement screens as well, but we u- utilize the TPI screen to. Um, pick up on any, you know, mobility, flexibility, um, or motor control issues in the swing. Um, that's a pretty standard assessment. And then in the absence of an injury or even with an injury, we'll, we'll, move into our power testing. So from a performance standpoint, we try to break down the components of how people create club head speed and power in the golf swing. We test those, compare those to our normative data and find out where we want to spend, uh, the most of our time in the gym, um, In order to improve those metrics so for example vertical jump has been a really key metric for us and we come in and we compare you know on the force plates we have all types of data that we can gather on on golfers um but we we compare that to our normative data and say you know based on your age group your handicap here's where you rank compared to other golfers um if we got these numbers up you know this may unlock some more club head speed for you. If we can kind of carry that into your swing. Now let's, let's emphasize that in your next program. Let's give you some more vertical force development. Um, uh, maybe we're doing some kind of jumping, uh, weighted jumping or some deadlift, but with an emphasis on speed. Um, so I think the, from a performance standpoint, our assessment really does, um, change our, our treatment and change our strength and conditioning program um, to maximize those qualities that we're, that we're going after.
0: Yeah. And I, I like the way you approach that too. It's, it's, it, you could blindly say, well, just, you know, start a generic program, right? Get stronger. Right. But, you know, I think one thing that our crew at champion, you know, Duesh Pudel, Jonah Monlock, they've really taken the, the lead on the sports science initiatives and actually looking at force data and saying, um, is strength what you need or is power what you need is to move that strength faster. Is that what you need? Um, and, you know, to me, that's some like next level details for a recreational adult golfer that has huge impact, right? So, you know, yeah. for me, I think it's been awesome to see you guys develop that to, to have such a comprehensive program. Um, is it the same in golf as it is for baseball where for us, we, we get a lot of people when they're dealing with an injury for the first time and then they become clients with us forever, right? And they just, they, they continue to, to, to see now, like, oh, I should have been doing this before I get, I got hurt. Um, is that a similar thing that you see with golfers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, again, it comes down to, um, every golfer wants to play more golf and play better golf. So uh, if you can, if you can make an impact on how their body feels every time they go out onto the tee, um, I think that's going to create a lot of buy-in and they're going to, they're going to really adhere to that program um that you give them and of course the program changes over time um but again we want to we we want them to feel as good as possible every time they play golf so that is certainly in the back of my mind when I'm writing a program or working with the strength coaches um and depends on the time of year when they're in season you know we're 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 trying to minimize muscle soreness um we're trying to optimize you know how they feel and performance so i would say if we do it the right way, golfers will, will see a pretty immediate um, benefit and they'll be, they'll adhere to the program um, for a pretty long time.
0: That's awesome. And it's been pretty good. It's been almost a half hour and I haven't asked any questions specific to my golf game yet. So um, I think we're, <laughs> I think I'm overdue. But, you know, bringing up that point is very interesting. I just had this conversation with one of the clients that you're working with um, out on the golf course and we were, we were talking about this, but, you know, we don't spend the winter walk- taking a four-hour walk, right, up and down hills and doing those sorts of things. Like, so w- w- you sit at a desk job all day, right, and then you just get up and you go golf and you're walking the course, you're carrying your bag, you're doing all these things. Our bodies get tight and sore and stiff, and then that impacts the swing, right? Sure. And it's funny, we, we've talked, like, sometimes I'm not even sore from golf and I'm sore from from walking and carrying my bag more than I am from golfing, right?
1: Yeah. I, this would be an interesting study and I, I don't know if it exists, but, um, you know, we talked about vertical force production and, uh, the impact it has on club head speed. I wonder, you know, fatigue in relation to your ability to create vertical force over the course of a round, uh, be an interesting study. I know from, for myself, as soon as my legs start getting tired, uh, I, I kind of lose the swing a little bit. I start getting very upper body dominant. I'll start hitting some pulls. Um so I can feel it coming like uh, as I get further into a round maybe 14th 15th hole my legs are tired um yeah. especially if we're playing at Oakley where it's a little bit hilly <laughs> um and then my for swing sure. my swing changes and yeah. you know it it becomes very upper body dominant and for someone with an injury history um particularly shoulder elbow even low back that that could be a time in the round where they start feeling it maybe they feel pretty good at the beginning and and over the course of the round it creeps up
0: Yeah it's, it's super interesting. Like, and I would say the, the part I'd share, cause I'm, I'm similar myself. Um, wh- if I'm in a match, like, like a comp- competitive type thing or something, and I'm in a cart, I I'm better. I'm, I'm, I, I golf better when I take a cart. Now I never take a cart. I don't want to take a cart. Right. But like, I'm I'm, I golf better. I'm more consistent. My swing is more consistent. So that actually motivated me a lot this winter to get on a strength training program, to to get you know a little bit more, you know, I was doing more, you know, I was riding my Peloton a little bit more, trying to get some leg endurance stuff going, right? Like, um, and it worked. And 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 you know, I mean, I'm a busy guy, just like all us. I didn't put that much effort into it, but I did some, and it worked. And you know, my body feels so much better going into this golf season. So, um, you know, it's an interesting thing. But again, taking a step back from the lens of us and the listeners of this podcast, now, like, th- this is where you can grow a golf business. So easily in my mind, right? If, if you're passionate about golf yourself, right? And, you know, some of the things we talked about in this episode already, you know, is understanding the common injuries, understanding a bit of the swing, seeing how they play together. Um, and really just, you know, helping people not just, not just get rid of that back pain, but to optimize their body so they feel better next round. It, you've got a lifelong client that's going to come to you for, for various things. So, um, you know, really, really good stuff. Um, Mike, before we switch gears, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about, but before we switch gears any what other advice do you have for someone you know continuing down this 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 thought process? What other advice do you have for people that are looking to get started specializing in golf? you know what are some areas that they can learn from so obviously you mentioned t p i maybe you can you know elaborate a little bit on that, but what are some areas that they they can start learning from and other advice that you'd give them
1: yeah, I think there's there's so many resources out there. Um, I think TPI is a very, um, it's a great resource to learn from this Titleist Performance Institute. Um, you know, they have been around for a while now and kind of been at the forefront of, of golf, uh, from a physical standpoint. So I think that would be the first place. Take the TPI level one, learn the movement screen, learn the body swing connection. I think that's a no brainer. Um, I think you got to start there. Um, from there, I think you could, you could go into, um, mastering each joint in individually. So, you know, as a physical therapist, learning how to treat each joint, learning how to, um, improve mobility. So there's all different kinds of courses and uh, philosophies around that. I think you don't have to marry yourself to one philosophy or one type of treatment. Um, but being able to blend all of those together to achieve the goal that you're trying to get, I think is super important. Um, from there, I think going into strength and conditioning principles, um, learning how to over the long term train these athletes, um, and, or, and or building a relationship with a strength coach, um, that, you know, either specializes in golf or has an interest like yourself in, in growing into the game of golf, um, would be hugely helpful. Someone to collaborate and bounce ideas off, um, and then learning from golf coaches. So I think it's it's kind of you know being a being a really good physical therapist, learning how to treat different kind of uh, each of these kind of common injuries in the golf world. Learning how from strength and conditioning coaches um, how to train these athletes in the gym, and then learning from PGA professionals and and about the technical aspects of the swing and how how golfers learn how to play golf.
0: Yeah. And, and I I think that if there's two key partners in this that I would try to build on is I think first and foremost, find some good swing coaches near you. Um, I think that's going to be the, the, probably the best relationship, but don't underestimate also finding that strength coach too. Right. Like, you know, especially if you're a physical therapist that you just have a small gym and like an, in an office, right. And it's not equipped to really handle that. Like, I don't want to say don't force it. Right. Because that's, that's not the point of getting that, but it's much better if you if you get a collaborative relationship with this nice gym down the street that focuses on golfers I think what you'll do is you you kind of all kind of like you know hit your skill set the the best and probably get the most out of it for the person so you know find a good swing coach find a good strength coach that specializes in that because when we put the three heads together wow that's a great outcome for golfers right so um you know really really cool thing to do um, so Mike, thanks so much for, for joining us for this one. One other thing we wanted to talk about, this is a real interesting topic that I think some PTs are, are going to be interested in, but you've actually just recently released a product you're selling. And I know it's, fun, it's we're going to, it almost sounds like we have a golf swing training aid that we're about to announce, <laughs> right? But no, that's not it, right? Um, uh, as a physical therapist, you just, you just started manufacturing, and selling a device for people that just had shoulder surgery and helping them sleep at night, right? The shoulder sleeper, right? So, um, I, I, you know, been, I've been watching you do this for a couple of years now. I think, right? Um, yeah. it's a long process. I mean, you, you invented, you made up a thing and made it appear in real life, and then now you're trying to sell it. It's amazing, right? But like, you know, to come up with a physical product to help people. It was amazing. But tell us a little bit about the shoulder sleeper.
1: Yeah, uh, it's definitely been it's been a long journey and it's been kind of a wild ride um, in learning every single day things I didn't know uh, and things I didn't even know existed that I I just needed to learn and kind of figure out with my with my partners. Um, But really, you know, we started the company with the mission of helping people sleep better after shoulder surgery. Um, as a physical therapist, you know, treat, who treats a lot of shoulders and, and elbows, um, you know, a lot of patients come in and say, I have, I have trouble sleeping. Um, and it's not just for the first, you know, four to six weeks after shoulder surgery, uh, while they're in the sling. I think nobody likes being in the, in the sling. It's uncomfortable. The neck strap is, is irritating, uh, especially while in bed. Um, sometimes people have to sleep in a recliner, um, it's also when they come out of the sling, sometimes it's difficult to prevent that person from sleeping on their surgical side, and that can irritate the shoulder as well. Um, so we wanted to come up with a product that that kind of met that goal, um, but was also very comfortable. So, um, you know, the the company was founded by myself and Sam Jacobsack, my business partner, um, who was actually a patient of mine who had shoulder surgery. And, you know, he, he came to me one day. He's a, he's a professional baseball player as well. Um, he came to me one day and, and said, Hey, like my shoulder feels great, but like every time I wake up, like it's pretty sore. Um, I, I roll onto it at night and, and it wakes me up. Um, everything else feels great. I just, I can't sleep comfortably. Uh, what should I do? And I showed him a way to kind of stuff a few pillows under his arm. And I was like, Hey, just, just do this. And he's like, can I just buy that? And we looked around online and, 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 (laughs) Literally couldn't find anything that we saw that would be, you know, uh, stable, stable enough or comfortable enough to kind of solve his problem. And I will say Sam, uh, you know, convinced me kind of like had to push me. He's like, let's build it, man. Let's make it. Um, and it took about 14 months, uh, to, to get a viable product that we could, that we could offer to customers. Um, and it's still a day in, day out struggle. <laughs> There's still a lot of things that pop up that are difficult. So I would say building a physical product, um, is, is not the easiest thing to do. Um, and it's, it's definitely very time consuming.
0: Yeah. I mean, you had to design it. You had to find a person to make a mold to make them for you and to manufacture it. you you have to then figure out how to get it from there to, uh, to be able to ship it to people when they, they sell, right? Like what what are some of the, the, the things that surprised you the most about this process?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the, the amount of time that it takes, um, I think you have an idea in your head and trying to communicate that to people that maybe don't understand the, um, the specifics of the product, right. So you're dealing with a lot of engineers, um, that understand, you know, the body, but, not necessarily what we were trying to achieve. So trying to communicate that to different professions, um, to for example, to build the 3D computer model that we could send to an engineering company um to carve that model out of a block of foam for our very first prototype. Right. So um that was that was the first challenge. I think from a legal standpoint, um, you know, trying to apply for these patents um becomes very expensive. Um, but you I think that's something that you definitely have to do. So if you are looking to develop a physical product that is patentable, um, get yourself a patent attorney. Um, I think that's something that, you know, is is worth it in the long run, but an added expense. Um and then from a manufacturing standpoint, it is it's expensive. <laughs> Everything is expensive. <laughs> the the materials, the labor. Um so, you know, if you're again it's it's an endeavor um to 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 try and create a physical product and bring it to market. Um, but it is exciting at the same time. And, you know, it's, it's, we've gotten some good feedback about the product and that, that makes it worth it.
0: Yeah. I think every person, when they see it, they say, I wish I had this, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty common.
1: So, uh, where can people find out more about the shoulder sleeper, Mike? Yeah. The best place would be at our website, shouldersleeper.com. Um, we do tr- uh, try and put out some educational content as well. We have a blog um, with, you know, very much shoulder surgery and shoulder surgery, trouble sleeping related content. Um, so we, we try and educate people as well, not just sell the product. We have a free ebook that can be downloaded. That's a preoperative guide, um, to shoulder surgery talks about all the things that you would need to know heading into shoulder surgery. Um, so again, we want that educational component from our company. Our mission is to, is to help people um, the best that we can. So there are some good resources on the website and we're active on social media. Um, Instagram is at the shoulder sleeper. Those would probably be the two top places.
0: Yeah. And if obviously if you're dealing with some, some patients with shoulder surgery, this is something where you can just send them to the website, right, Mike, they can get this
1: themselves. And absolutely. It's, it's a, you know, direct to consumer model. They can order it on our website gets delivered in a few days and you know, hopefully they're on their way to better sleep.
0: Yeah. I mean, to sleep better for 150 bucks for, you know, four to six weeks after shoulder surgery, I think a ton of people would do that. So, um, you know, kudos to you. I, maybe we, we have to do another episode where we just talk about, uh, the, the making a physical therapy product because man, you yeah. just, you just started a business. This is like a whole thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole thing. I, I, I didn't realize when I, when Sam and I started, but it's a whole thing.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, well, we look forward to continue to see that grow. Uh, Mike, before we let you go, I'm going to end with the high five, five quick questions, five quick answers to learn a little bit about you and your thoughts and your head and that sort of stuff. But first question, what are you currently doing yourself? What are you reading? What are you working on? What are you doing for your own professional development?
1: Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been nervous about these questions. I listened to your podcast. So I knew they were coming. Um, no, I think it's been a lot of, um, recently it's been a lot of marketing related content um so digital marketer and trying to to learn how to promote the shoulder sleeper pillow um from a clinical standpoint um i've been doing a deep dive into the shoulder trying to to really understand you know shoulder surgeries and the different uh surgical procedures that are going on um and how those are evolving over time um from a clinical standpoint and from from a shoulder sleeper standpoint that's awesome i like it um and you know to give Mike credit
0: too I we this it's is seven o'clock on a Monday morning that we uh that we did this and we both just woke up and I'm like oh man I forgot to send you questions ahead of time sorry about that <laughs> so he's going blind here so I give him credit so that's okay <laughs> luckily a past <laughs> listener I like that It's awesome but um all right second question what's one thing that you've recently changed your mind about professionally
1: <laughs> okay um you know i'm i'm awkward silence here awkward pause <laughs> um yeah i would say probably the emphasis you know if we're going specific to golf i think we've learned a lot about the vertical force requirements in the golf swing and you know i think a lot of what i used used to do looking back at it was very rotational power focused um and maybe i missed that vertical force component so i would say you know the addition of more vertical force training in golfers versus just working on rotational power production would be something.
0: Right. I like that. That's a good one. I think a lot of people uh, have done that in their careers, right? We, you know, and not to say that rotation is not important, but I think we've all learned that vertical, you know, since we have technology now and we look at the amount of force that we see that vertical is huge. So um, that's a great one. I like that. Um, you work with a lot of our students at Champion. Obviously, what's the best piece of advice that you like to give our clinical students at Champion?
1: Yeah, I think we see, we see so many different students come in the door with all different types of experience levels, um, and different interests, right? I think that there's, there's a lot of reasons why students get attracted to Champion. Um, but I think, you know, my biggest piece of advice for them is try to absorb um, as much as they can and apply it to their own special niche. So they all come in with, with some type of interest level in some area. Um, take what they, they learn from a business standpoint, from a physical therapy standpoint, and try to apply that to their own niche. And I think they'll be very successful. Um, now as a new grad, sometimes that's a little bit difficult. I think definitely have to master the basics first. Um, but you know, have, have a goal in mind of where you're trying to work. And try to apply those principles into a specific niche to help,
0: help a subset of the population. Yeah, that's a great one. I like it. Um, I feel like for the next two, we've kind of been talking about a little bit, but what's coming up next for you?
1: Yeah, I think from the, from the golf, um, golf sig again, we're putting out content on the, on the mobilized platform. Um, you know, Lindsay Becker is a great resource and we work in collaboration with that. Check us out at CSM next year for sure. Um, we're, we're putting together some really good, really good talks, um, at least in our proposals. So, um, that would be a big thing to check out. Um, shoulder sleeper is, is out there. It's out in the world. Um, so if, you know, feel free to check that out if you're a physical therapist or if you're, you know, a, a, some potentially a patient. Um, Yeah. I mean, I would say those are really the big things that are going on right now. Awesome. And
0: then where can we learn more about you and all this stuff and and I think we should probably, this is probably a good spot to mention too, like, you know, we're, we're always humble about these things, right? But you've you have built a really good golf performance training program that we sell on the internet to people, to golfers, right? So if, if I was a PT or a strength coach that was starting to work with golfers, I just want to see what your templated training program is. Now, obviously in person, we customize that a bunch, but where can people learn more about, you know, that sort of stuff and and more about you in general, Mike, on social media and stuff?
1: Yeah, I would say the, uh, on the Champion PT and Performance website, we have kind of my bio and our golf, uh, philosophy, um, golf performance philosophy. We also have the Champion Advanced Golf Performance Program, a uh, bit of a mouthful, but that's, that's a great program, um, that we developed for people that have some gym experience and are looking to, you know, improve their performance through a through a gym based training program. Um and then we also ha- also have in helped develop a an at home um you know golf performance program. It's called Fit for Speed. That's in collaboration with Adam Koloff at Pure Drive Golf. Um so that is more of a at-home very minimal equipment um golf performance training program. It also comes with six weeks of lessons and six weeks of a speed program. Um, so those would really be the top two programs. Um, and then social media at Mike Scadido of DPT, um, would be another place to find some golf related content.
0: Yeah. Awesome. It's great stuff. And definitely uh, a bunch of great resources, uh, for you to check out if you're interested in specializing in golf injuries or performance training and really just starting to grow that business within your own niche. I think that'd be some great stuff. So Mike, thank you so much for joining us and coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to me. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinold.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And also be sure to search for my other podcast, The Ask Mike Reinold Show where my team of physical therapists, strength coaches, and I answer your questions. See you on the next episode.